one out of every three mouthfuls that you've ever taken as sustenance has come as a direct result of the work that honeybees do. So you're taking away a third of your food if the, if the bees go, you know, immediately it's gone. So is there a campaign out there for Keep, the bees? Yeah. Love, have, have you got a slogan bees. for them, you know, <laughs> buzz the off bees. and let the bees be strong. <laughs> well, good happen. Is that a good one? You know, yeah. Hashtag buzz off. <laughs> let the bees be strong. Uh, do you think it would work? I'll, 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 I'll get what that would one Nigel, what would, his, what would his one be? <laughs> what would his one be? Elmer. Elmer. <laughs> I don't know, no, Nigel. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to our second uh, Small But Massive podcast and uh, it's with great pleasure I can invite tonight an old friend of all things Jeebery and all things else, Mr. Junior Johnson. Welcome with us tonight, Junior. How are you keeping? I'm very well, Paddy. Thanks for having me. I, I know I know earlier on there you were sitting and you know you were sitting there and there was a lot of noise in the background you thought you know there was like a hotel lobby crack going on there the music was good wasn't it Ah uh, great uh, and there was a great laughter but here <laughs> just before we shoot on thanks for coming and uh this is our second one uh and uh first of all I'd just like uh, to ask you when you first started music uh way back in the dawn of whenever you started uh what brought you to it? Uh, had you any inspir uh, inspirational people at that time when you were maybe at school or whatever? And uh, how did you get into it? Well, I was uh, I was taught classical piano as a kid. Um, so we, I mean, I, le I learned all the greats there, I suppose, or as best I could. I remember learning for grade three a piece that Mozart wrote when he was six. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was difficult for me to learn at, at age nine. So I, I can't imagine, or sorry, age 13. So it was, anyway. I, uh, I specifically remember in school, uh, primary school, they put on a play and our class got to go see the rehearsals of the play before the main event. Um, and they sang these songs. I, I'd never heard music like this before. And what year were you in then? Yeah. Uh, I would have been uh, P6 or 10, 10 P6, years old. Uh, yeah. And I went to, got home to my dad and I was like, "Do you have you ever heard this song? And I sang, it was Rave On by Buddy Holly. and. And it doesn't matter anymore, another Buddy Holly oh, track. So, um, and he had the like the Reader's Digest album or whatever it was, the Buddy Holly's Greatest Hits, and stuck it on the cassette player and on the, the hi-fi in the living room, and that was it all night just listening to. Then I went on to uh, Jerry Lee Lewis. Ah, yeah. It's Chicken Death. Yeah, yeah. Lonnie Donegan, all uh, that, you know. Yeah, well, he was and, the king of shuffle. Oh, man. And, uh, did yeah. that sort of, uh, you know, so from school, did that, uh, well, you mentioned three different styles of music there, you know, from just in the one whew, breath. So Lonnie Donegan, and uh, you mentioned like uh, the Mozart and, yeah. and then, you know, the songwriter. And so you, put, so you put them all together and then, so where did it go from there from school then? I mean, I, I, I stopped piano grade five and then just kind of left it, let it go by the way, I suppose. Um, then at home I met, there was a couple of fellas in the estate, they were into Nirvana and yeah. um, some New York punk, you know, um, cheesier stuff possibly if you were to talk to a real punk. Uh, uh, but I really like a Rancid, there was another cool band. like yeah. um, So ended up watching a lot of, like you were able to buy MTV, you know, compilation videos literally VHS that they would send you through the mail and of your favourite tracks. Did you wait for them with open breath? Uh, yeah. I can't wait to plug yeah. it in. Uh, Played them until they were just, you know, white lines everywhere all over them. But uh, so I, I got a guitar and then I borrowed actually a mini Strat, you know, the kid's Strat yeah. off a schoolmate of mine. And uh, I, I just couldn't believe it. One day it was James Quinn actually, Brenton Quinn, uh, his son oh, yeah, James. Oh yeah, country and western. Guitar player, Sorry, yeah. yeah. Um, he was in lower and upper six in the school I was in the Rainy. Yeah. She was in as well. Sure and, was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hogwarts and Hogwarts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh the uh, one day I remember it, I'll never forget it. Uh James was down with a cherry red strat and he played it was just the the opening like eight notes to REM's Everybody Hurts. Yeah. And I was like Did you weep? 
Did you? Jeez, I was did like, that the one that made a tear go down your eyes? Did it? Did it? <laughs> Ordinary people. I, I bawled like a baby. I, I, I did. Was it something. a full pack of the tissues <laughs> moment? Was it? <laughs> uh, no. Well, look, uh, that was a massive hit at the time, and oh. uh, and look, that's good because obviously that song. You know, banged home the truth or whatever at the time. Yeah, you I know. mean, I was uh, that album was like, yeah, it was I had that then uh, automatic for the people and the um, like. I, I just couldn't believe ordinary people could play. Wow, that's you know, ordinary people can do that on the guitar. So I borrowed this guitar, went home and learned. That was my thing. I wanted to learn that, learn uh, the strumming for Smells Like Teen Spirit and ding, you know, ding, yeah, ding, ding. Heart Shape Box. I, yeah, I still play Heart Shape Box uh, if I get the chance, you know, but. It, I don't know. It just and then I suppose grew a little bit older. Played some music in a local, you know, in our state with some of the other local kids. It was just like cheesy fifteen watt amp and a, a fake. Stripe but did you and, feel it was? Yeah, it was glass. Said, yeah, <laughs> that's it. See that moment. Look, it doesn't matter. Can I just say it doesn't matter how bad the gear is in your first band or your the first sort of drums. Like, uh, is deadly isn't it <laughs> yeah. you feel that way yeah, you know? yeah, we didn't have any pedals so yeah. well, there was this kid in the estate that he couldn't sing or play or anything but he wanted to be in the you know part of it so we were like right you hit the distortion button on the <laughs> when I gave you the nod for the chorus <laughs> oh my god and but it sounded deadly yeah that ah, was great fun yeah and well look then I suppose you moved on and uh uh you went then uh, to uh, Mud Wallace. Uh, those that uh, don't know Mud Wallace, Mud uh, ran the studio called Homestead, and uh, he had a lot of really uh, big Northern Irish acts over the years. Unfortunately, Mud's not with us anymore, uh, but uh, he was a f phenomenal musician and a great producer. Uh, some of the acts, from what, what I can remember, and would have been the likes of Therapy, we are, would have been in Pat McManus, I think, would have been in. And uh, I remember Vivian Campbell, who now plays for uh, uh, Def Leppard. Yeah. I think he he, he, yeah. he might have visited it too. And, the Pogues, uh, the Dubliners, the Dannon, Elton Shanley, anybody, Chieftains, you know, anybody, Van Morrison, anybody in Irish music, really. Well, that, that you know, that's amazing. I suppose a lot of people maybe out there listening, uh, Junior, wouldn't be aware that that studio actually was there, yeah, you know, and uh, exactly. that it was a, a springboard for not only, you know, there was a springboard for a lot of talent. I think it was a springboard big time for therapy too at that time. And uh, yeah, I mean, somebody often said, or somebody said that, you know, if Mud had got the producers cut of the, all the albums that that he ought to have, he he would have been a multi-millionaire. You know, he made <laughs> a lot of he made a lot of a lot of people uh, a lot of good records. You know, yeah, and I suppose I mean that wasn't his game. Sorry, I should say. You know, he was just he just loved it. You know, yeah, and uh, you would have built a um, a good friendship with him. Uh, obviously, being from the luckily, yeah, yeah, being the same from area, the locale. yeah, and. I mean, how did that come about? Like, how did you know? Did you sort of stand? You know, the wee bridges down there, and you stand the bridge. I'm going to meet this man today because I know where he lives, and I'm hoping you know. Or oh did you God. feel I'm going to meet some kind of a star, local star, coming out after recording a song, or you know, exactly and those things. That, all them things, and that's great. But and uh, so, how did it? How did then that well, connection I, come together then? Yeah, I mean, in Randallstown, he was obviously a local, you know, a local legend or whatever. Yeah. Everybody knew Mud. Yeah, and would have bought him a paint or whatever and had a you know back in the day you know everybody just knew mud um and there's so many stories about that as well but i the first time i met mud was, was naively stupidly landed in with two of the lads from the band i used to be in the rapperies and we went into the studio and he came down from the kitchen i don't know if he came down from the kitchen and he was like yeah and i was like oh just wondering if we could maybe record some demos here and he was like record some demos he goes what do you mean Original music and uh, no, it's uh, it's oral Irish kind of music, you know. And he was like, no, <laughs> <laughs> and that was that conversation. I was like, okay, uh, and I was like, this is a meeting a superstar, you know, a legend. So, and, and I was like, oh, okay, sorry for bothering you. And away we went. So, I got the I was on the Princess Trust scheme actually. Yeah, and, and what, what, for, was, what was what was what was that about then? The Princess Trust scheme. Well, I was a civil servant actually at the time and yeah. because the civil service sponsors the course and like to give back or to you know to make you feel 
make you feel better at work. Yes, less energize our workforce. Is that was one thing I want? Yeah, step out on, the, step out now on the front. Let's look do how, a wee boogie dance. <laughs> I I like, look how bad you could have it, you know. Yeah. No, I'm. I no. Just, it wasn't like that at all. No, anyway. no. But so it was. So the so Princess Trust were running a, a project, of course. Yeah, twelve week project, and it's for anybody that I mean may not have the means or the qualifications to gain employment or even in the field that they're you know that they, they like or want to be in yeah fabulous amazing people that really come out of their shell highly recommend it to anybody um who has the opportunity to go to do it was so, it all about confidence building and ah, finding yeah. yourself and e just, exactly uh, yeah. yeah and yeah. you got to do so many things and one of them was a week's work experience so i was like i want to be in the studio contacted mud yeah, come on ahead, sure, you can make tea. And, uh, <laughs> well, that's a good start in the studio, yeah. like, you know. He says, do you know, we work the other nine to five, you know that, so don't be coming here at 10 o'clock in the morning expecting me to be taping tunes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we work the other nine to five. Yeah. So I spent, ended up, it was supposed to be a week, so, but any spare moment I had after that, I was down there at three, four in the morning. They were taping lots of different albums. Bayoga was, their first album was going there at the time. Um, there was an Ulster Scots album, which was hilarious. That's if he says the first time he's ever walked off a gig in 24 years, but we'll not go down anyway. So, pardon me. <coughs> so, uh, anyway, I met, but I, he goes, yeah, well, I said I might have a song or two. I'd written some stuff, you know, jotting some stuff down late at night after work in the bar. He was like, well, you know, play it and see how I was like no I'll book a day studio time we'll you know we'll do it right got some artists or artists I got some musician friends in play cello and violin and um and sing back and vocals then Mud was like yeah it's kind of half decent song there that city girl do you I like that song you know yeah <laughs> this is unbelievable this guy like brilliant. brilliant and brought that that was in well, subsequently brought that to Jerry Anderson. He played that that tip, you know. But um, Jerry was a great supporter of your music, wasn't he? Uh, and yeah. you, you played live. You, you played live with Jerry. Uh, so yeah. what you know, seeing from that there uh, that Jerry was playing, you know, because at, at that time you would have, there's you then with um, Mud, and then leaving Mud a wee minute, and then shooting on to Jerry, who was at that time. A huge radio Ulster presenter, a legend uh, of himself. Uh, loads of people listened to him. Yeah, uh, uh, 110,000 listeners a day. You were able to go on there and play live then, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I got a copy of the CD. My dad, um, we drove up, left the house about five minutes before Jerry's show started. So we were making shape <laughs> to get the dairy for for a quarter to 12 when it ended. And he handed over to, as he called him, the fat boy. Nolan, you know, that's what he used to call Oh, no, that was when he picked up the show, sorry. The yeah, fat yeah. boy. <laughs> but uh, so we drove up and Jerry's show had literally finished as we were pulling into the car park. It was like nuns on the run. And uh, I ran in, said hi to reception, ran up the stairs and he was coming down the first little four step, you know, out of the, out of the studio after having done the, the gig. Um, and I was like, Jerry, I said, I've just landed here. I've got a tape here, I think. You know, I want you to hear it and tell me what you think of it. And he was like, oh, okay, Kelly goes, uh, I get loads of these, you know. And I was like, yeah, no, you know, if you don't like it, I don't, I'm not expecting anything. And he goes, where'd you come from? And I said, Brownstown. He goes, Brownstown? When did you come? I said, oh, we just drove here. Ah, come on. He says, we'll get a cup of tea. Cheers, you just drove here from Brownstown. So back up into the studio, we went and we got a cup of tea and sat and talked nonsense for five minutes. And he says, listen, I like you, but he says, if I like this, you'll hear it. If I don't, you won't. And before anybody spoke the next morning, before, you know, at the start of the show, before anything, just straight after the news, the first thing he did was hit play on that, <laughs> that City Girl track. So, so that was a, a great moment. Yeah. I, I, I could have died happy. Yeah. And uh, so from that there, uh, the first time that uh, I would have met you uh, from, from just where you were at there and uh, yeah that uh, would have been would have been and it, was it a G session or we were on yeah the, it was indeed the cellar um, bar wasn't it well, I mean Mud had for a long time uh, extolled the virtues of Glasgowbury and all the things that were going on in Dripperstown yeah especially sure. knowing uh, his prior relationship I suppose friendship with you 
And he was like, no, I have to go and see. We'll go and see Paddy G. We'll go and see Paddy G. He, he, knows, he knows what's going on, you know. And so it was, it was a, do you know, I can't, I can still vividly remember the meeting, but I, I can't remember what the G session was or uh, anything at the time. To be honest. Yeah, it I probably like a, wouldn't remember it. <laughs> I was so nervous, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, there's and, no uh, need to that. And, and Mud was, it was like, I can vividly remember in the cellar bar, the two old friends meeting. Um, you were on the left and Mud was on, well, on my right and Mud was just laughing like he did. That was back in the days when hug. you could hug. Exactly, you know. You know, you're allowed to hug, like, you know. Backslap hugs and... Uh, hugs might be forgot about, brother, you know. They might just be a thing that history. just disappeared. I think, you know, even by talking about a hug makes me feel quite emotional at the minute. And, <laughs> well, they're listening in the back there thinking I am emotional, but they can't see the tears. Like, you know, Jarlath can see the tears. Can't you, Jarlath? Give me a wee nod there. Like, Tierney can see the tears. bloody tears, you know, and I'm and, and, and doing everything that Ryan doesn't break down here at the minute. Well, tell the world what a hug is, just as a matter of interest. You know, so, sorry, we had, we were allowed to do the famous hug, right? And the cellar, right? And go ahead, brother. Yeah. The um, words were said. Uh, yeah. Um, Mud, they, they backslapped, hugged and uh, laughed and said hello after me not meeting for a long time. And Mud was like, tell you. Paddy, me and Paddy, the pancreas twins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were we thing we used to go. You know what? Back in the eighties, there was a band called the Cocktail Twins. And my first introduction, I was aware, you know, that he had went through a major operation on his pancreas and, and liver, and uh, so I, th I suppose you know to see the humorous side of us all, like uh, was we became the the, uh, the pancreas twins. You know, so uh, but that was a brilliant time, and so. From that introduction, which was in uh, the cellar bar, um, at that time we had been running uh, the Rural Key. And uh, it, uh, I, I usually just would probably just say something in somebody's ear like, the Rural Key's on, <laughs> you should come. <laughs> but I think with Mud that night, I got a CD as well. Uh, yeah. And just on that there, uh, just the people out there that, that your music is online and that that first album is online uh is, is that the one uh, on my head with the, with the railway track the uh yeah it was like a well there's Did a street on it and uh ah, it was, was, like was there hand sketched but no that's not available uh that's cast into the annals of history with any i'll send it to anybody that wants that city girl track that jerry played but uh, the rest of the songs are rubbish you know have they went to the uh, <laughs> well, there's still about 890 cds in, the, in my dad's loft floating down some strange long for unforgiving river they're just floating down they're gone uh, so how many of them are floating down that uh, well, uh, nine out of the ten nine out of the ten yeah, yeah, yeah. well that's that's not bad i mean you know look the one that mattered it started to get you a bit of play Okay, yeah. and that was yeah. that was great, and yet again with Jerry even better, and so the rural key came up, and you joined it. Uh, you joined at the same time as uh, uh, Shauna Toho. Uh, uh, yep, Shauna. And the queue. It was the queue. Yeah, um, I think the first couple of weeks, even Mike was there. Was he? Mike Warmaker was there. Was the he first, there? I, I have a very vivid memory of a, <laughs> well, you an know interaction what? in the shop. You know, he always <laughs> he always had this tell. thing about the invisible cloak. You know, there was something about him. We like he was well. I, I actually, you know what? That's that's deadly because uh, he doesn't know yet. But I haven't sent him an invite yet. But I'm going to ask him to come on a podcast. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, uh, well, you know, well as you know, Malenki, you know, so yeah. he, he was Malenki and he, he he's uh, he's invisible guy. So that's he's deadly. I didn't know that. But uh, well, do you know what? For that short time he might have been on it I think he learned plenty yeah <laughs> yeah he was there for uh, he was definitely there for two or three weeks and, uh, that's deadly well maybe you know so oh, that's deadly so uh, even I learn something new <laughs> every time you know it's hard but, to keep all the memories uh, that's deadly so at that time uh, uh, so you, you you know it brings me into now the um, another producer uh, you went from Mud uh, as I say and then your next recording um through the rural key was in Blast Furnace, Mick O'Connell. Yeah. And uh, so uh, that was pretty deadly, I thought, uh, you that know, for every, for everybody, because uh, uh, I had been in mud myself, I should have said that later on, uh, and that's how we kind of had that uh, camaraderie. Uh, but going to Mick, um, you've got a different type of producer, uh, different type of studio, uh, 
obviously, I think when we were there, it was still real to real, wasn't it? Yeah, we uh, we recorded on the, it was the Here Come the Land of Gentry's tape there. We, they let us record over that tape, sorry. Um, uh, but I, the, <laughs> funny, I thought I seen a memo out. Does anyone know where real to real is? You know, uh, if you're gonna swim with the lead belly, you know, there's gonna crash a little caster over my back. Eh? There's gonna be a big, big, massive cheese sandwich fly over the mountain and hit you in the side of the face. But, but uh, no, Mick, Mick was brilliant. He was, I mean, it seemed like he was uh, for not laid back, but because that gives the wrong impression. But the way we we went in and recorded it. He goes, just, we'll just do a tape, you know, or just do a take, sorry. And we did two or three takes and he was like, yeah, that sounds great. And then he laid into the producer's head of it. But then you were in as well as the producer, because <laughs> I can vividly remember playing the organ. And you're like, no, next time around, lad, see instead of that there, just hit the chords, just hit the, 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 the octave chords on that there, just the Ds, just hold the, D, the low D and the high D. And then I was like, on oh, the G and then the A for that one track. <laughs> and it, it was brilliant. It just, uh, it changed the whole, uh, what would you say, dynamics. character uh, yeah, yeah, of the yeah, track. Yeah. But that was, a, uh, you you done a few tracks with, uh, as a band formula, you know, and 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 there, yeah. was, and there was loads. I mean, the real key ones were all in there backing singing, and that was the thing about, I suppose, uh, the actual real key. Where That's right. You would You're have different. Did Pedro come in actually? And, and absolutely. Uh, and do you know what? If you listen to that same track, I I can't even remember the name of the the track now. But I just here's the CD um, at oh, all that, local diners. <laughs> anybody? <laughs> there was a thing out two sausage rolls. I, 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 I have a look. Uh, two sausage Later rolls and a CD of the rule key. Holy Find shit. it in all your good outlets. And John, oh yeah, as well. Yeah. John Gribben. Um, oh, it was uh, so lonely places was the name yeah. of the track. Yeah, and but the uh, you can pick out your vocal on the uh, <laughs> don't you know it? <laughs> don't you know it? You can pick it and Wally's as well, yeah, very distinct, yeah. you know. And then Johnny, not don't uh, you know, don't it. you know it? Yeah. Well, yeah. then you know. Well, like I mean, I think that's because uh, everyone was in the room. Yeah. And uh, everyone wanted to give something in, and I think that's what the rural key. Uh, like uh, funny, I was chatting to to Paul Connolly about it and he was saying about the, you know, it just wasn't about this sort of do this course and this is what you do, you know, have the course, get through the course and everything should be fine, right? Write down the notes. Did you Take write the down boxes. the notes? Take all the square boxes. Tell the people if your fringe goes to the right or the left, you know, but other than that there, you know, there was, as I say, everybody seemed to want to work together and yourself, you work with a Clark uh, on our tunes and, you Amazing. know, so, and, and gigged then with him after as well. We did the live uh, with John and Shauna. I mean, and so many different uh, genres or, you know, whatever you want to call them, styles of music. Yeah. I couldn't believe what I was hearing with the cue. Like, Paul Connolly just blew me away, you yeah. know, with that on the radio and Trapdoor. Jesus, it was just something else. Like, yeah, and I still listen to those tracks. Like, I still have them in Bandcamp somewhere. I don't I hope they don't take them down, but I, I can still find them if oh, I yeah, have to like, search now. Like, <laughs> for all the rip. Uh, uh, going from that there you were saying like in the rural key, key showcase um, then we would have went from you know obviously down in the cellar at the time and the G sessions and uh, then you went up and you played the festival so you, you played, played the festival on your own and as two pieces and and then you know you, you, like I suppose you kind of done pieces of bigger uh, ensembles and what so at that time how was that for you, you know, the, the festivals and, and the gigs and the scene even at that time, you know, for you? What, you, know you know what know, I mean? I mean, and it's so, it's probably corny or whatever, maybe to look back or to say and look back in hindsight and everything's got rose-tinted glasses, but I really do believe that that period in the music scene and not even necessarily just Northern Ireland, but the whole island and maybe even the UK as well, but it was so submersive here and so huge. That period from say two thousand and five to two thousand and fourteen, fifteen, maybe after kind of the festival ended. The music I scene was, had muscly legs I mean, in, yeah. If 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 I was born now, I probably couldn't. I don't know. I couldn't forgive the universe for not having. Like I already have a real thing about not living through the seventies and the sixties and whatever, and yeah. witnessing all that Elvis and Johnny Cash or whatever for the first time and Black Sabbath and whatever. But uh, I honestly, I'm so grateful that I was alive. Like all the things that happened in the last 14 billion years in the universe all came together at that one point to create that their hub of just the best, the best of the best. And 
no egos, no, just the same ethos. Everybody was a VIP and. Very interesting people. Yeah. Yeah. Big sign across the game. Yeah. And that's a big, big load of people, isn't it? That's yeah. a lot of people. That's a lot of people. Every one of them interesting. Every too. one of them interesting too. Like Bill Nye, the science guy, says, you know, everybody you meet, he, they know something you don't know. Yeah. Learn. Yeah. Great. Button them lips up sometimes and learn. <laughs> yeah. So, so just um, um, uh, going on to the next three phase. Uh, so, after that, there, uh, what the rural key, um, you then uh, started a new, uh, no, you, you, between that time, you took a, a tour to uh, the USA, isn't that right? Yeah. Uh, so uh, got, uh, did you get the big car sitting on it to go in and cruise down the highway? What what was that like for yeah, you? Was that the a... first time, you know, uh, that you'd been in uh, America playing or had you done that before? Or No, that was the, the very first time. Um, do you know, again, through people from Ryan Lagan from the cellar that uh, that ran the cellar during those wonderful years, um, he put me in touch with the guy who had played in the cellar, Paddy Saul from Boston. Well, from here but lives in Boston and uh, they he played regularly in a bar in Cambridge just west of Boston five minutes out of the town uh, called Bull McCabe's it's actually now closed six weeks ago because of this yeah um, which is sad what's that it's, yeah, yeah it was a it was a really well known very famous hub you know for not just music just good 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 place to be anyway yeah we played there uh, Dermot and I played in in, uh, in there and had some great food and met some great people. But then we shipped down to New York, met up with John Gribben, who was there. Yeah. He knew a guy from, who lived in New York, still does, Niall Connolly uh, from Cork originally, but he, he, he ran a songwriter night in New York. And uh, if you if you think you're a songwriter, you should go to an open mic in New York because uh, you'll, you'll get your ass kicked. <laughs> it's uh. The quality of, uh, penmanship and delivery was beyond anything I'd ever witnessed and it was brilliant actually I'm not even like I bawled my eyes out listening to one of Niall's tracks blew me away but uh, it was beautiful it was it was a good so time that's game. R.E.M. and this tune yeah it hit the deck again <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but did you perform did you get up on stage and yeah yeah, yeah, yeah maybe, maybe you've been sore on yourself maybe you know because maybe oh, it really well, went I mean, well because I'm sure that people come up after it I mean knowing that you travelled long distance not as if you just travelled up from you know like Maharaja <laughs> Port you know <laughs> you left from from here like and you, you travelled a good bit and you know and uh, well to you be know, fair yeah <laughs> I mean I did absolutely uh, we did travel a fair bit there was guys there though from Georgia and all over the place so I mean New York, the States is, uh, is is fairly big and there was one guy I remember he looked like the, the honey monster and dressed with big cords wide cords 70s style you know and he had a great line one of his songs was I'm going to round up all the freaks I know and start my own show but <laughs> 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 uh, it, it was no I don't even remember that side of it playing it to be honest I remember saying this is my first ever gig in New York and that's about it um, yeah. but I remember those songs that those guys but that would be a good feeling oh yeah, and is that some is that something you aspire to be back, get back to when I'd things to. start to settle? And uh, because uh, I suppose at the minute, you know, there's no, um, you know, it's hard to tour and there's no gigs and uh, we're sitting here opposite each other and there's there's very little people here and uh, you know just the crew and it's it's kind of a strange one. But uh, you know, uh, for venues, uh, for producers, for you know, for event organizers. For uh, you know everyone that's that's out there at the minute, and uh, it's 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 bleak. I mean, yeah. who can? There's no. I mean, I'm not gonna hopefully get any more depressing than than that. But it's it's dire and it's bleak, and I I just um, what can you say? I'm, I'm, you'd be gutted for anybody, and especially any of the venues that you love. Yeah. Um, and it does seem like I mean, and no leftist stance or anything at all it, it just does seem like it's been again once again left by the wayside the arts are just the, yeah. the, the first to suffer and the, they suffer the greatest and uh, like it's the, the old adage and cliche don't read a book don't switch off your music switch off your radio switch off your tv close your eyes basically everything that you see is art in a form like you know it's just crazy yeah so so like see there this, this is beautiful. yeah but see uh at the minute like uh out there there's a we are events i know you're 
big supporter and you would share stuff and uh, I suppose it takes people to be innovative and I know it's a strange way but they are putting on things I suppose they're keeping aware and, and, and the social conscience that uh, you know that events uh, to put on an event like especially anyone that puts on an event at the stature of uh, the events that people put on out there now the, the workmanship the dedication the planning the meetings and the, you know the implementation of it is huge you know and, and that takes it's like a, I suppose it's like an army of fans that are into a big massive sporting event whereas all them people together and then that's the participants coming as well and, and they make it so slick looking and move smoothly it's a massive economic boost it's unbelievable uh, so you know you mean uh, like the crew and, and everyone the, yeah. yeah from the ground up yeah I mean I'm, I'm not I've worked those jobs you know I've worked crew and you see those lampies and and those lads. It's I know two people specifically that haven't done a day's work in, in six months, and no help, you know. Yeah, they just they're so I called mean, falling through the cracks yeah. and things. Yeah. What does that even yeah, mean? Well, uh, yeah, well, it basically means that nobody well, I mean, nobody's uh, caring or yeah, nobody's looking means, at a plan to actually cure. You know? Do you know what I mean? So hopefully that'll, you know, uh, the, you know. I suppose hopefully all we can hope for is that there there is a way that it's going to come back. And, yeah, and we, I mean, I had that chat with Tiernan, you know, there has to be a way that you just make do and think of alternatives and, uh, and you, I the mean, force, there's a way around everything. The know? force of creativity will outweigh yeah. the stance of people trying to, you know, squash it now. And that's because there's always been people that are able to plan out of whatever it is. And I think that the entertainment industry at the minute as uniting like never before I and, mean it, uh, it's affecting Weber right down to, to yeah, you know yeah. promoters here locally or massive promoters you you know it's everybody's in the same boat here yeah. so there needs to be some sort of cohesion to quell that you know at yeah. least to, or to pull the reins in on whoever's making these decisions yeah. that, that or, are leaving you in the, will, in the yeah, wilderness or, or put people in the room that actually know how to run events <sighs> and uh, have speakers in the room that might know about how things should work well you but, would know more about that my friend uh, you know uh, well you never know <laughs> within the glass what is it <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. this is NI Children's Hospice bottle that's why we're allowed to keep the label on that yeah no, but there'll be no no, uh, no portion without representation good man yourself here just moving on uh, on on another note because uh, I suppose we can't be the cure of all the cures and the other but yeah. what, we, what we can talk about now is uh, 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 Grease Palm uh, you know uh, when Grease Palm came out uh, you, you know people really really had home to it and, uh, uh, and enjoyed it from uh, I think the first gig would have been in the cellar was it? Uh, yeah yet again yeah, yeah, and uh, it was again. there was a um a really nice crowd on, I remember, and uh, and I remember I chatting. We were open for somebody, I can't remember. Maybe, I'm Wait, not sure, or maybe not. Maybe, we, we don't know. I, well, it was I honestly a, can't remember. It was a blinder. Yeah, and, uh, great So light. you want to chat about why you got that band together and what was your thinking there, you know, because it was definitely was a different, you know, you, you know, you had done, as I say, the, the, the sort of first album, you had done the, the Rural Key, and then you had shifted uh, gear into, I suppose, what was a really good collective uh, mix of musicians, uh, really good, and uh, everyone was really slick, you know, <laughs> and looked apart. Shit hot, uh, you know. You said that sort of. We are cool, but we don't have to t tell. You don't have to tell us. <laughs> I was the least cool. Oh no, you're the, you the you're the shirt and all, hadn't you? Oh my god, Hutchie uh, and, and Nico, my god, uh, they're just the two. They were like stuff. smooth marmalade, weren't they? They yeah. were like marmalade. You know what I mean? Uh, they were uh, like Keith and uh, and Ronnie. Would wanted to be you know uh -huh. they were like the, the guitar players I know, they, had, they had the 70s jackets and all that there yeah, yeah. so the set you would have done uh, how did that come about you know I know I know it was we, all all the uh, cover songs and, 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 and wasn't that right yeah yeah well but, yeah absolutely initially definitely yeah it was um, Nigel Martin actually Henry's uh, manager Henry McCulloch's manager and to you know promoter local promoter actually used to put on all the John Prine gigs as well yeah anyway <laughs> Nigel, who I used to be friends with through Mud um, and Henry and our story, but the uh, Nigel Rang said, "Listen, we're doing a benefit or a you know tribute stroke benefit gig for Henry and uh, for Rosie to raise you know to raise funds or whatever for Rosie or Josie. What the hell? Yeah, I sorry, Josie, Rosie. And uh, so, I oh, was that was it for." a Henry fundraiser or yeah it was a, it was a fundraiser at the time that never happened actually um, yeah 
there was some argument with, you know, uh, who cares? Mm -hmm. It didn't happen. But they, um, so Nigel came to me, asked, said, "Put it, can you get a couple of people together for this gig?" And I, to be, at the time, I'd been playing some of my own stuff with uh, with Glenn, who I'd got in touch with, um, totally by chance. Anyway, Glenn Hutchinson. So Glenn and I had been playing some of my original stuff, and then listen. We need to do this gig for Henry. That's right. I seen you two inside Glenn. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> and he was like, "Well, what about we'll get somebody else in? We'll, we'll get Beatty in on drums. Mark Mark Beatty. Um, he was playing for Kitty in the Carnival at the time. And he says, well, uh, we should we'll ask Nico as well? So Glenn really put the band together. I suppose I, I'd met Nico. Uh, uh, I'd met Nico, and I, I I knew Mark from Kitty in the Carnival. Anyway, we got uh, Glenn's father had a huge shed out the back and Glenn had nailed screwed boards to make a room in the top loft of this this shed and it was all orange amps, Marshall stacks, you know, full drum kit. I brought the Hammond organ and uh, we were, Barry Fahey played bass. Um, that was my contribution. So I brought I brought Barry, you know, and said, oh, this guy, he's shit hot. Yeah. He's Bill Wyman, like, you know. He was a fine player. Oh, uh, unbelievable. Uh, so they all were, you know. Nico's the best rhythm guitar player I've ever heard live, ever. Um, and Hutchie had his own sound. He had yeah. lives in that cherry yeah. red three, three, five. Yeah. He had his own unique sound. You knew, you know, like a proper guitar player had their own sound. You know, it's you know it's Jimmy or you know it's yeah uh, Jimmy Page, sorry, or Jimmy Hendrix. So you know the difference. Anyway, so we just ended up playing some more. Uh, come on, we'll play a, a, a Grease Band song, Henry's Band. Yeah. Focused a lot on Henry's stuff. Got a few tunes together, a few Rolling Stones hits. We'll, we'll go out and play this, you know. Played the cellar. Um, ended up, I think, maybe, well, I don't know, You could, maybe the first ever sort of covers band to play the festival. But, I mean, uh, we, had, we had a couple yeah. of originals written <clears throat> yeah. together and Hutch had written some smoking hot hits, like, you yeah. know, real deep side. Anyway. But you made people groove. Yeah, you they know, loved people, it. Ah, yeah, it was, yeah, it was dirty. <laughs> disco ball. Yeah, <laughs> wasn't that the t-shirts and ah, everything? Yeah, you know, we cool. didn't have a disco ball then, but if you had a disco ball, it'd be a grease palm gig. Yeah, they yeah. had the sunglasses, the whole thing. Yeah, I wore Stetson hat and all that. Time. Brilliant, so it was good brilliant. fun, great fun. Well, and I, 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 it was, I, I messed it up. I, um, I totally messed it up. And uh, there you go. I'm sure. There's three sides to every story, I suppose. There's a, yeah. there's his and the truth, and we could fight all day about it. But I would, but, I, I would love someday down the line, you know, if they were, if they were forgiven, that we could, uh, we could one day get along again, and maybe someday even play together again. Just a wee, like it was a, amazing. We regroup. Yeah. Are we saying here tonight in the Small oh, Mass Podcast, part two? <laughs> <laughs> Grace Pam may I don't know get together again. We don't know, those guys but here we can send the love out. Yeah, yeah send the love out to all the, bro all the, all the, all the, other, oh, all the other lads. And all, all we can say was bending me. As someone like me at the Victians and uh, seeing you live, really enjoyable band. And then sure, we in two thirteen uh, was the City of Culture year in Derry, and uh, so we were asked to. Partner up with at that time there was a um, a festival running called Culture Tech, so uh, we done a, a Glasgow picnic. Well, we hadn't any picnic tables in <laughs> I can't remember. Did you see any? There was like boulders sitting out in, a, in yeah. front of the uh, Guildhall Square, uh, but you played uh, you played uh, at uh, in, you know the main stage. And do you know what? People were really grooving to it. You know what I mean? And Fenver was up that day too. In between bands, he was running. We. We drum sessions and different things, right, and, and yeah. people would come out and they would have a wee drum circle. It was a and beautiful afternoon as well, you know, or even sun was shining. Stunning, you know. And uh, and I suppose, and the dairy crowd are into music, you know, they always are. It's, uh, and I mean, how can you not be in a good? Well, I suppose it's one of them places. I suppose the Guildhall, where people come from different places. You know, they're coming over from the bus depot, and they're coming down from Strand, or they're coming from every angle. And look, when you were playing, people were there. They were grooving. They were loving it. You know, and that's, I suppose, that's all you want as a band. And I know after, it wasn't long after, maybe Ian's, Ian's sort of decided to just 
part your ways, you know. But yeah. for us uh, at that time, it was good because th that was our last year of the festival. So it was good to double up with that and have yourselves. And, and, and the Woodburn and Savages were playing that one too. And, and it was yeah. pretty cool. Like it was a good setup. The festival was wonderful. That was such a crowd in that tent. Paddy Nash was... I've never seen him done so much in my life. <laughs> well, that's another thing. Uh, <laughs> just talking about Paddy Nash there. Uh, you went on uh, tour with Paddy. Uh, what, what were, you, were you playing the Hammond? And yeah, or, for some uh, reason, and Paddy let me join the band. Uh, I pissed and moaned and begged him enough that he let me in the band. And there was probably nine people in the band at that stage. And they had a fundraiser in the cellar for like the tour. That's right. Tour sport, you That's know? right. No, no, no. We poster was we we, we the bus. Camera, uh, uh, right. and just, uh, no, it was really cool. And uh, so we drove to. We got the bus to. Uh, we got the boat to Liverpool, and then drove to uh, Cambridge. Did a gig in Cambridge that night, first night. Um, played at Toll Puddle Martyrs Festival. That's the like the real socialist left. It's the original union was the Toll Puddle Union. Not going to that anyway. Right Till they die. Yeah. <laughs> that's the one, yeah. yeah, yeah Is that yeah. the one? Yeah. That's uh, Billy Bragg was there and all. It was uh, pretty cool, you know. Yeah. Rosie, uh, what do you call her? Rosie Doonan. She sang and uh, Tony Ben actually spoke at it. It was very funny. Uh, it's good. It's good. That was great. We played and God love Patty and Dan putting up with you know Johnny and Liam and me. Was Paddy and Diane like the, f the father and mother figure, if you know that? Very much. Very well. Would you have been put, sorry, would you like, am I, am day. I here and here now? Sit down, sit down, Paddy. Don't move, don't move. You know what, them ones. Oh, my cursing jeans gonna take off now. Was it like a Nanny McPhee moment there? Eh? Oh, my oh God. shit. And, it was uh, great. It but was look, it was, great. I'm sure it was a week to remember. Brilliant. You know what I mean? And uh, so we're, we'll move on now to um, the next. Uh, band that you got together um, and how that came about because uh, me and Stella went to uh, it was Atlantic Sessions mm -hmm. and uh, it was a, was it an old theatre you were uh, Port Rush Town Hall Port Rush Town Gorgeous Hall room. And, uh, beautiful room uh, you were um, Johnny Cash tribute band and that night was unbelievable it was it was totally sold out uh, um, Joe Lindsay was dancing all around the yeah. place, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Joe put it together, actually. Yeah, yeah. I know it was there, but because yeah. he was happy, I think, with the crowd. That's oh right. yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and Caroline, Caroline, Car who, yeah. Caroline uh, Mathers, yeah, yeah who Caroline runs the Atlantic Lance. Sessions. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so how did that uh, come about I mean, for you? Because was there an anniversary or something at the time for Johnny Cash? You know, maybe um, is that right? Exactly. Yeah, it was the fiftieth anniversary of the Folsom Prison album, so the live. The live album that won there. You got it. Take a wee ship for me. Take a wee ship for me. Show me a wee ship. He holds ship. it up here, you know. Uh, and Luther's down here. Yeah. No, no, no. yeah. So he, uh, Joe, uh, Joe used to DJ in the hotel I worked in in Belfast, and I knew him for years anyway. So it was he just got chatting, and he was like, "Here, what do you think about putting a band together for Johnny Cash's 50th anniversary? What about that?" And I was like, "Oh, what's involved now?" And he was like, oh, "Just you go away and think about a figure, and think of who you want to play." I'll sort out all the details. So a week later, we had, and I just rang a few people and said, I don't know if you're into it. Would you be up for it? Everybody said yes straight away. Um, then I got word from, it was actually Carolyn, I think, that, or no, maybe Joe, my manager, that put me uh, in touch with Amanda, the, the, the girl who played the June role in the Johnny Cash tribute band. So he said, listen, there's a 50th anniversary. We need to put it together. It's a gig in Portrush. Uh, it was initially in a bar and then they moved it to the town hall because it sold out so whatever so many tickets for the bar and they, they wanted to change the venue which was awesome it was a class venue too it was beautiful i think it, it sort perfect. of it fitted the whole music didn't it it fitted everything about it was just it sort of was nearly going back in time to the yeah, had the old was, old hall wasn't it exactly like the 30 foot high walls or Roofs, sorry. Dink, 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 dink. That actual <laughs> echo was in that hall, I'm sure, many times, yeah. Oh, lad, you can imagine through the <laughs> yeah, years. The yeah. Stevie O'Hagan on guitar, you know, who grew up on Johnny Cash. So it was, he was in his element, you know, playing yeah. the guitar. Ryan McClellan on drums. Fantastic, too. Unbelievable. He was yet. 20 years old, yeah. or 19 years old at the time. I've not seen a doll like that yeah. in I don't know how long. Uh, Jerry Morgan probably, Mike Mormica is probably yeah. on the other two, I know. Um, uh, Johnny Nutton bass, who else do you want? Total funk. Unbelievable Johnny Total funk. kill. Yeah. Just, just on it. I mean, even on the night, you can hear in the audio, because we got an audio from the, the desk, 
and you can hear on the night every call every time I called a tune was like oh Jesus Johnny <laughs> whispering to Stevie on the stage oh, what's this that? You know, on the night I love him he's yeah. the best so uh, but these like, I suppose you were getting people on there they're all busy musicians too and uh, playing in different bands and uh, you know when you put something like that together you, you get in you rehearse and, and then like you're just out there you know at the other side of this wall I think you rehearsed we did indeed yep Thank, yeah. thankfully we were given, afforded the opportunity to rehearse here and it actually gave me Sunday extra afternoons. time to listen, you know what I mean, which <laughs> is really good. And uh, like, I suppose, as, as I know that Stephen went away to, to Canada, but he's back now. Is it something that you would think of maybe throwing a few nights together of the Johnny character? Because, you know, any night you've done, there was a great crowd. And, and even in here, the night you've done was really, really good. And is that something you would think about? Or Absolutely. I would love to. And we have we have spoke about another couple of, you know, maybe different tributes. And I, I mean, I, I'm so glad I'm ter just devastated that it didn't work out for them out there but I'm so glad that he's home and that we're able to play again yeah. Um, yeah. so we've already we're going to rehearse probably I think tomorrow actually for some other stuff there you go uh, not the Johnny Cash stuff incidentally but I would definitely love to do that Amanda has been pestering me to sing you know to come and do it and to do sing Karen Carpenter or whatever She's uh, a, yeah. Amanda's amazing yeah. versatile talent as well um, so yep. So I'd we just we I just wait. we just wait to hold this space. Hold this space. You know what? What have we got to do? Hold the space, right? So uh, that there, uh, just um, coming on from uh, the the Johnny Cash tribute, um, you were just awarded there recently an award from the Arts Council of Northern Ireland for uh, towards uh, putting an album together. Uh, so um, how was that process, uh, you know, just for people out there that might, you know, want to apply? Because, you know, you, you, sometimes um, I would talk to people and, and, you know, the actual application just totally just blows their mind. And yeah. they're really talented people and they probably deserve to get supported. But it's just the way things are set in place that there's certain ways that you need to uh, have so much uh, done before, like earlier on, we're talking about all the different things you were in and out of and all that. So that that would all obviously help towards it. But how was that experience for you? Was that the annual support for the individual artist or was it, is yes. that right? Yeah, that, that yes, uh, essentially, yes. Um, so it was bef prior to any of the pandemic, you know, any of that. Yeah. So it was basically their standard route of what you would annually, yeah. you know, if you were to apply. Historically, I would agree totally. I would have been, pardon me, I would have been daunted to uh, to even try and fill in the forms. Yeah. You see some of the questions and you think, well, what do they even mean by that? And you do have to kind of think, it's not just a simple tick, uh, you know, box ticking exercise. You probably just have to little, think a little like, what do they want? I don't mean that you haven't got the, the, the skills or whatever the qualities, but you have to express it in a way that they see that. I mean, you, everybody knows what you can. I mean, you know what you can do. Everybody, everybody else doesn't know what you can do. So you just have to present that in a way that they can read and see that you qualify for the grant. Now that probably sounds like a wishy-washy answer, mm -hmm. um, but without even having the form in front of me, it wouldn't be. It'd be pointless to even get into that side of it. Yeah, because it is a little bit civil servicey, for want of a better term. Yeah. Um, but it is very doable, and I'm proof that. Historically, people would rant and rave about certain people are always getting the, the grants or whatever. But then, I mean, and I possibly might have been in <laughs> one of those in the past. But now you've you only got, get the grants uh, if you fucking apply for them, you know uh, what I mean? Yeah, and you're so, understanding more of it now, maybe yeah. even off them people, you know, that maybe, you know, they're getting that support. But And there's people said, out there that'll help you. If you ask, if you shout loud enough, you'll get help with yeah. forms and there's people that know how to fill not know how to fill the forms in but they know what they're <coughs> they know what they the, 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 the questions mean or they you know what I mean they know what you need to specifically answer on yeah <coughs> but that that that's good so see what's that now um, what is your plans with the album do you plan you know when will people hear some of the music there uh, yeah how long is a piece of string well and, the arts kinds of one done by February I think at the end of February yeah but I suppose with all going on now with uh, the it's whole uh, just after lockdown and all the, all the things I think they'll be thinking about different things but but saying that there uh, have you got plans for who's going to play on it uh, what what style will it be and uh, um, 
As I say, where, where were you thinking about recording it? Well, um, recording it, I've, there's a guy who I've loved his music for years and he's played with everybody, like a fella called Gavin Glass. Um, From Dublin? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. uh, now lives way down. <clears throat> I didn't, I learned this to my detriment when I was going down to see him. Um, I thought he was just half an hour south of Dublin. He's on nearly on the south coast of uh, of Wexford, way down in Shellman Hairs, you know, and uh, where all those battles were. But he's got a lovely setup down there. It used to be an old swimming pool and some lovely old kit. And he just gets. He, do you know what? With with no sense of sense of exaggeration, I felt the same going in there and speaking to him as I did when I spoke to Mud. And mm. I don't say that in any light. Yeah. You know, I just yeah. felt the same. You could feel it inside you to write this to do this. And he, yeah. he, he was, he was taping a band at the time and I could just hear him, like he wasn't being, uh, he wasn't being a dick or forceful or anything, but the way he was expressing his, his opinion on what they needed to do as him being the producer was just exactly like Mud would have been then, you know. So I was all the way. I was sold immediately. Um, as for players, I mean, I want, well, Stevie, uh, I hope if he's free, he can, he's going to play guitar. Yeah. But, well, to be honest, I, I chop, like I, I keep changing my mind. Um, <laughs> initially, it was supposed yeah. to be um, Liam on drums and Nicky Scott on bass. But I, I just, I don't know. Um, I think less on it would be better, to be yeah. honest. I, I kind of like... Well, look at the time you done the Ballads of Glasgow Bray in the Rural Key. Um, as Mick O'Connell said, it just was a beautiful song with your voice and the guitar. Yeah, I mean, that's... You know, and, I, and you captured I, I that moment. I to be simple. I, yeah. I don't want any... I've had all that, you know, uh, past CDs. I don't yeah. need all that fluff. Yeah, yeah. Flooding so it I, with stuff. You just yeah. want the song to tell the story and get it out there. A little bit of Madeline, a little bit of Hill guitar, and maybe a little bit of bass, but I can yeah. immediately hear Mud in my background. I brought him a track with it. was just me, Donald Scullion, Norman Devlin, and Nathan Ball, and Connor Scullion played just a vanity project did yeah. one song each over a weekend and I brought him the CD and there was a there was no drums on it you know and I was playing him Donald's track and I was like lad this is lethal we you hear this it's fretless bass and all you know cool 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 and he was like 30 seconds and he was sitting just where the fuck's the drums <laughs> <laughs> tell me that's then so of all you know What's the album? And uh, you've got a manager now, uh, Joe, right? Uh, oh, and, and so um, I seen you online. There's a new group uh, Joe's got going. Uh, Safe and Sound. Safe and Sound. Uh, would you like to explain, you know, maybe for people out there that might know uh, what that is and what it's all about? I mean, in a nutshell, I suppose they wanted to create a, a it's become such a cliched word, but a safe space. Um, too often, especially male folks in the industry, you don't feel any vulnerability, or at least to the extent that maybe females or um, uh, transgender folk might feel, you know, in in this scene and locally, you know. In the entertainment scene, realize, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, in the entertainment scene. And it's only when it's spelled out to you often, especially people like me, I suppose, that you realise, well, geez, people, why... How, how would they? How would they feel? Like anything but vulnerable by being put in certain situations. So they want to build a place where even parents can get advice of young performers, perhaps, um, where they can come and their their kid can practice in a safe space with other musicians and be um, themselves. Yeah. So exactly, exactly, yeah. and that that's it. That's that. There's there's absolutely no um, judgment of any kind. Kind of like what you've had going on here for the last. So what, 2006 was it the first yeah. Rural Key? Or? <clears throat> yeah. So, I mean, it's it's good to see that it's spreading its wings and causing it, calling itself a different thing elsewhere, but... Yeah, it's a good thing for, for, it's great, for where yeah. we're at now. And it's a, and it's it's something should be happening all over. And, and uh, as I say, with uh, Joe uh, putting it together, like safe and sound, isn't that what you're saying? Yeah. And, uh, so, I mean, it says it in the words, you know, and, yeah. you, you know, safe. And Katie's involved in that and Kira McMahon yeah. and a couple of others as well as the, the, the leads on it. Um, You're all Joe, good people looking together. Joe is the salt of the earth. Um, I've known her for years. She used to be Swanee's manager as well. Um, but Joe's just an anomaly. I've known, never known anybody that works as hard as her. And, you know, she has her, for want of a better terminology, finger in every pie. 
she knows everything that's going on um, and not a better resource could I mean anybody want to have and uh, is there a website or a, anything a Facebook that people could be aware of or do you know you're putting me on the spot here uh, yeah. there definitely is a Facebook yeah uh, safe and sound yeah and if, if you actually search that there's probably a couple of different types but you'll see it there's an NI one when you, you, you type in the search there's a specific NI one brilliant brilliant but just going away from music here a wee minute uh, you're a great uh, lover of uh, all things bees and uh, honey bees yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, and I know that you had your own uh, got a couple of hives yeah hives that's the ones and not the ones yet in your skin <laughs> right just so people are aware you can get them if they sting you but yeah no. so tell me about that and how did you fall into the love of that or was was that something you went on to just explore? I was um, looking for a documentary to watch to quell my thoughts probably one night way, I don't know how many years ago now, and found one called The Last Beekeeper. And um, it was then about the state of the bees in America and the colony collapse. And they didn't even really know anything about it then or what was causing it. or They still don't know fully, but so it just got at me. And I wrote, I basically wrote a narrative of the documentary immediately after watching it in about five minutes and then it became that or my song the last beekeeper um so i found a local association signed up to the college to greenmount to do the, the the qualification the basic beekeeping qualification and then became a member of the local association there in a country estate lord o'neill's estate in randallstown uh, way down in the heart of it, Game of Thrones filmed a lot of stuff there. It's beautiful, you know, real lovely setting. And so, can anybody like, yeah, join the the the, the well, the, I, the, I the mean, beekeeping society? Is it like a society? What can we? They, you know, they let the bees do the buzzing, <laughs> but they, I'll tell you, it's it's uh, you, you gotta you gotta pave your way to get into it. Like, uh, you know? do you? I, Honestly, uh, yeah, yeah, it was comical uh, that. In uh, that regard. I'm trying to guess some names, you know, of some people that would be. Uh, the master beekeeper, the best, just the most artistic and the buzz is hanging around him. Like he's a, he's a, he used to teach uh, metalwork, woodwork, and plastics. You know, he was he's a he's a real genius. But uh, Elmer Kennedy is his <laughs> name. What a name, like. Elmer. Elmer right, Kennedy. Like. Well, would he have a sort of a title like you know like if you say would take master beak? Well, master beekeeper. So. <laughs> Oh, I wasn't even listening. I apologize, that bro. So, master, <laughs> master beekeeper Elmer. Elmer, I, yeah. I sorry, just to ask you. You know, is Elmer a fringe to the side sort of a, ta- a chap? No, or, or does he have a special hat? No, or what? No, he just uh, pretty much a little bit of grey around the back and sides. <laughs> like that's about it. Very, very, very well kept. He's, yeah. Uh, he could have, you know, was he like his voice? Did he get like a posh voice? You know, no, he's got a bit of a culture accent. About Jesus Christ, oh, just a wee bit. Oh, man. that's that. And he speaks in not not riddles, but I, I asked. I remember I said, "How are you keeping?" He wasn't well for a while. I said, oh, "Well, Elmer, how, how have you been keeping?" He says, "Don't even buy green bananas anymore." <laughs> <laughs> well, here, you know, just just on 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 that, uh, you have then you had a couple of couple of hives or. Uh, yeah, and, mm. uh, <laughs> not the other one. But uh, so, how did that go for you? And uh, Ugh, first three years were a disaster. They all died. Uh, Every winter they all died. I'm reassured by the the keepers, the, be, the experienced ones, <laughs> the masters, <laughs> <laughs> that it wasn't my fault. So yeah. uh, sorry, Nathan, in there, Nathan, the, the, the church of Nathan in there. I, I don't know, know if you can I, kill I, that. I, I uh, anyway, they, it's uh, the church of Nathan. Amen. Even Tierney's down on his knees at the minute. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a post uh, So here, so, you, you, you found faith for the bees, right? Yeah. So, But just, you know, you watch a documentary. I seen a thing one time, right? I, I don't know, it was breakfast TV or something. And so they put on all this stuff, right? That uh, And the, the breakfast TV runs are going, I'm not going to eat that. You know, and, but the guy doing the interview was saying, well, eat it. And they were, oh, oh, oh. everything was dry. There was no, so there was no honey, no, obviously, to make these things that, you know, the, the, the big slushy donuts. Ah, uh, yeah, they, the, the, the bees were dying out, so they weren't, your food isn't going to be the same, basically. Yeah. So it'll all be dry. Well, one third of every mouthful, or, sorry, one, yeah, one in three mouthfuls that you've ever eaten or drank, 
has been directly, what am I, I'm not saying that right. So one out of every three mouthfuls that you've ever taken as sustenance has come as a direct result of the work that honeybees do. So you're taking away a third of your food if the, if the bees go, you know, immediately it's gone. So is there a campaign out there for Keep, the bees? Yeah. Have, love, have you got a slogan for them, you know, <laughs> buzz off bees. and let the bees be strong. <laughs> oh, good happen. Is that a good one? You know, yeah. Hashtag buzz off. <laughs> let the bees be strong. Uh, do you think it would work? I'll, 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 I'll get what that one Nigel, What would Nigel, what, <laughs> what would his one be? Elmer. Elmer. <laughs> I don't know, no, Nigel. Uh, <laughs> I no, don't know what Elmer's is. But that. It's only dear the day you buy it. That was another one Elmer said. But I just wanted to mention that because you always, uh, over the years, would have come up with some deadly honey and it is beautiful honey that you land with. It's not the kind of stuff you get in the shops. It just no. splatters out, you know, it's a real deal. You know Don't what I mean? Don't be buying that. One wee bit on the carrots, it is gorgeous. Unbelievable. Oh, unbelievable. We can nearly taste them now, can't we? Yeah, you know, but it's totally different. Uh, dip your apple in it or whatever the hell you uh, yeah. Well, uh, we're flying on. Uh, uh, we haven't got the jetpacks on yet because I know yours is going to just in a minute. But... Uh, just over to my left hand side, uh, uh, the people in the room or outside might know this, but uh, there is uh, two apples. Yeah. And they, look, they, they look deadly, right? Right. So, so, the, so I left the seat there, Nathan. I apologise. So there's two apples here on the table. It's not magic or anything, right? But uh, earlier on. Uh, uh, Junior bought um, a full bag of apples, uh, so obviously there'd be pies of making and, uh, you know, apple tarts of flying, uh, you know, uh, within the next few days. Uh, so the, there's two apples in front of us. Uh, uh, Jared, do you see the two apples there? Yeah. So the two apples are here and uh, me personally, I just see an apple and I go, looks deadly, you know, and uh, <laughs> I'll go and eat it, right? But earlier on, you were able just to put your hand on the bag, a bit like uh, picking out the lottery balls, you know what I mean? Uh, or the FA Cup, number two, Manchester United. You know, uh, <laughs> number five, Liverpool. You know, and then they may pull out Narball, you know, Scunthorpe United, uh, big one, Arsenal. You know, so something like that there, but you just whooped them out and then you says, here lad, this one's called, so do you want to tell me what well, the crack is? They're, they're from my <laughs> papa's garden um, and I look well. These are my favorite apples in the whole world. For anybody that's not that's listening, them there's two on the table here, and the little one on the left, it's a it's a Macintosh Spartan, which is a great name for an apple. Like I mean, who sat who sat down? You know, like I mean, I often wonder that. You know, you watch some wildlife programs, and here he is. <laughs> <laughs> no, here is the Scootable Spider. And you're thinking, who come up with a name Scootable Spider? Yeah. So tell me that name again. Well, uh, it's a Macintosh, but it, the variety is Spartan, like the Spartacus 300. I don't know where they got that. Wait, so you're telling me there that, that like it's like, you know, these particles, you know, the the sort of like you know. I wish I wish I could know. be more informed with the history. Um, all I know is it's the most delectable fruit I've ever eaten, and each year it's a different, slightly different flavor, which is weird too. It must be the soil or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And the one on the right there, it's a, it's called a Lord Lamborn. Lord Lambert! <laughs> he must have been some crack. He must have been some dude. Lord Lambert. <laughs> he sat up at the back, right? He sat up in his house, right? He just big house, the big, you know, he walked up 20 steps. He's good. Somebody said, Lord Lambert, your tea's ready. Oh, I can't come now. I am checking out the apple that's named after myself. Uh, what do you reckon, lad? Do you know, I think I'll have an apple. <laughs> <laughs> you know, look, right. So we have a Lord Lambert, right? So anyway, they're going to be lovely. Yeah, I can't oh, wait. Yeah. I can't wait to eat them, right? And uh, I don't really know if I've forgotten about anything. Uh, as I say, what notes I had, they've disappeared. Like uh, you know, like Mojo Mike uh, on the rural key. <laughs> but uh, he had a toner's bap, and that was it. He couldn't handle it. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't handle it. He that. couldn't handle the baps. He only but, had a quarter of it. He was bit. But so. Um, Thank you very much for uh, <coughs> for joining us. Uh, we will. Uh, I know you're going to do a wee a wee short set, uh, but uh, I suppose for me, uh, thanks to all the good people out there for listening in. Uh, this podcast will be out soon. As I said the last time, uh, uh, just keep an eye out. I actually think our first pod podcast is out today. You know, so 
I reckon I'm, savages. I reckon I'm just going to get battered on down there. Look at that. What are they talking about? You know, but uh, it's a great pleasure to have you here. Uh, we can look forward to the album. No doubt when you're doing the album, maybe call up and have a wee short chat uh, and uh, yeah, let us to. know how it's getting on. And uh, good luck with we'll the play some tunes. Yeah. Um, thanks to everybody here that give up their Saturday night to listen to us. Do well, as you show. know, as you know, it's a time of you're not allowed many crew, you know. So uh, uh, we have a young work experience, Jarliff in the corner today, and he's done a great job. Yeah, woohoo! We, we, last week we don't like Mick Jagger. Golf, golf clap. Golf clap. Yeah, what is it? Two fingers. Let me see the golf clap there. <laughs> I hope all you can just try it again. There. It's very good. Oh, my fingers are getting so relaxed. So, we have a golf clap there for Jarlath, and then we have a, another golf clap with the opposite hand for Tierney. We're in the right. Tierney. Yeah, and uh, he took a wee bow there. Oh, it's a fantastic figure. And then, and then in, in the room at the back, we have Nathan. We'll do two double golf claps. Two double golf claps for Nathan. And Kayleen, who's the producer, who said a pair of things in my ear. They were laughing away. I couldn't hear skilly shit, so and we'll give it up to the men. They didn't matter. And we have one... Uh, we have... Nalcon, our only fan tonight. Yes, Nalcon, yeah. Nal. And we have Patricia. And Stella. And Stella. All in the room. So thank you very much. We're going to take a whoosh over to the other side. And we'll give a wee round of applause to Junior Johnson. Thank you very much. What did you call that apple again, the Lord boy? Lord Lambert. I'm from Lord Lambert. <laughs> from Lord Lambert here. So good. This is so good. I'm so, so alive. It's not even fake, 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 fake. It's, it's so crisp. alive. It's crisp and it's a wonderful morning. Thank you very much. So thank you very much for the Small But Massive podcast. Thank you everybody for listening out there. And we hope to see you soon again. Thank you, Ryan. Can't wait to get some tunes going. Thanks, man. Cheers.